0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for Tuesday, October 25th, um, 2022, Jordan Brickman alongside to talk about the Knicks. Jordan, six days away from Halloween, got your costume picked out? Sure do. Is it Knicks related? Not at all. No, it's not. i was <laughs> just wondering if Jalen Brunson had won you over enough to turn that into a costume and this quickly.
1: He's won me over, but
0: not, uh, not enough to dress like him. Uh, it, with Jalen Brunson, and I kind of like ISO'd him like with my eyes last night. Man, he gets up and down the court but he is a legitimate. I can't say. I can't remember the last time I said it. this is a, 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 a about a Nick point guard. He is a legitimate Nick PG. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think he's the best point guard since Stephon Marbury on the team. Um, you know. Obviously, you made yeah, it right. Yeah. Yeah. J- Jeremy Lynn had his little stretch and Felton was good for half a season and had it, some of his moments, but. I think Brunson is the best the best player uh, that they've, they've had at the position since Marbury. And obviously, they weren't a winning franchise since Marbury. I saw a stat that no one has put up this, in his first three games on the Knicks. No one has put up the stats he has since Mark Jackson. Some type of combination of assists mm-hmm. and turnovers and points and rebounds uh, since Mark Jackson in 1989, so before I was even born. So, yeah, he's going to, I'm sure we're going to see that a lot this season. He's going to be. One of the, the
0: the the better point guards, one of the better players, really the Knicks have had in a while. Twenty-one six and three last night, and and Mike and Clyde have both been talking about how efficient he has been, and I think you're seeing some of that in the fact that he's, you know, picked up a couple of fouls early in some of these games, and Tibbs has stayed with him. It's almost like I got you, I need you, and it's, I think. The efficiency, not only with his own numbers, but how he's running the team and the trust to win someone over this fast has a lot about what Jalen Brunson can be. I think.
1: Yeah, and of course Tibbs and Brunson have known each other for, for quite a while, so I think there's probably some you know early connection there that I was will be a base to, to build. But the, yeah, I mean the guy, you know, he's, he's talking about his efficiency. He's actually shooting a lower rate than he did the Mavericks last year. So in theory, there should be room to even go up with his yeah. efficiency numbers. Um, but the guy's great. I mean, the guy just is, has fit the team like a glove. It's been very seamless, even in the preseason. It didn't seem hockey at all. Uh, just seems to be exactly what the team needs. I mean, if you think about it, when the team was at their best over the last two years, at least his current, you know, Tibbs, Tibbs team and, and fairly similar roster, is when Derrick Rose was playing and was playing well. Derrick Rose is also a pretty darn good point guard. He's he just not sustainable for him to play 35 minutes a night like they need out of the point guard position but if you look at him in the playoffs when they when they made the playoffs and even last year when they playing, they're playing their best is when derrick rose is on the floor now they're now they have obviously brunson they have derrick behind them and even quickly he's taken a, a step as a playmaker all being able to make plays and, and lead the offense and just just add, it brings the team to another level offensively which is really great to see it
0: really does he finally had his first turnover last night um Sorry for the folks out there who are hoping for the, for, for the perfect year. It it, it was just inevitable. You, you you can't have them all. Um, but you know it just it, it really you know plus seventeen if you're a, 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 a plus minus guy. But eight of sixteen shooting through uh, uh uh two of four from three made all his free throws. Um, you know. Just really, really impressive stuff for the Knicks over the Magic. Speaking of free throws, speaking of them, I want to move over to R.J. Barrett, who is 3 of 4. Your thoughts on him in the early going. Man, did we have many text message exchanges about free throws last spring. And if he's locked in, boy, that would be good. She's got that locked down, you know. RJ dropped twenty last night. Um, yeah, God, this could be good.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, RJ has not been efficient this season from the field. No. Last night he dropped twenty. He was, yeah. Yeah, not not, not great. Under forty percent from the field. He did hit three threes though, which was his first threes of the season. If you remember, RJ was really cold from the free throw line to start the year last year. Jeremy, I know something like get the stats up. You can look at his free throw percentage numbers by month um, last last year. And he started to get better as the season went on. Um, so so hopefully he can just kind of maintain that. I would love to see him at high 70, 78, 70, 79%, 80% this year from the free throw line because the guy gets there. You know, hopefully he's going to get there five plus times a game this season. Um, you know, With Brunson and with the way Randall's playing, RJ is the third option on the team. I mean, he really took off last year when he was the first option on the team. So I'm curious to see how, how he adjusts with that. I think his passing has very noticeably made a step this year. Uh, I was at the game on Friday and to start the game I think he had two or three assists in the first few minutes and it, it, he just clearly was looking to break down the defense and pass. He had a couple lobs to pitch which has always been a, a good connection for them and he had a pass last night that I, I don't think I've ever seen him make. RJ loves transition. Um, he's very good in the transition but a lot of times he can kind of be, have tunnel vision in transition. You know, he's going coast to coast and he's just going to shoot a layup basically no matter what happens and last night he drove coast to coast. And he got to the, to the lane, and he actually dished it to the corner. He figured it was in the corner, but dished someone up in the corner for an open shot. That person moved the ball around, and they went up getting an open look on, on the possession. I've never seen RJ do that before. So his playmaking has started to, to evolve, which, which is great. Um, so so you love to see that. His jumper, I think he's just going to always be a little inconsistent there. He's going to have stretches where he shoots well, where he doesn't shoot well. At the end of the season, he'll look up, at his numbers should be average to above average there, which is, which is good. But... Um, It'll be interesting to see how his playmaking continues to evolve and his his usage rate continues to evolve as the season goes on. If you've noticed, they've left him in with the second unit uh, a little bit, uh, which is great. I like to see that because that gives him a chance to maybe be a little bit more of that playmaker for a couple minutes before he takes his his, his rest at the end of the first quarter or the second quarter. So I want to keep an eye on that and hopefully he can continue to develop in that role because they're going to need him to continue to score. You know, this team's ceiling, in my opinion, kind of is capped by R.J., If RJ is the best player on this team, the ceiling is much higher than if it's Brunson or or Randall. So we'll see if he can continue to develop the skills he has so far. He's 3-3 in his three seasons. Let's see if he can do it again for a fourth.
0: How much, as we go person by person through this, how much of this is Jalen?
1: Does he say so far for the team?
0: Yeah, and, and 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 just their personal development. Because I I I look at IQ, for example, and I'm seeing a way better basketball player, um, than you know l- last year. You know, you know IQ is basically driving up and either pop the shot or lo- or lob. He's got more plays in his rolodex, and I really think. That, um, that, that, that that is something we could see down the line.
1: Yeah, well, there's a question of how much does Brunson affect the team? I think it's a lot. You know, the Knicks have kind of always had these guys that are playing one position uh, too high that they actually should be. I think back to like, Tim Hardaway Jr. days. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a very quality sixth man. Uh, on, a, on a playoff team As we've seen over the past years With the Mavericks But on the Knicks He was the number two option And he's just not that guy When you can slate him slot him into uh, A position that more suits his strengths And then he, then he thrives in it uh, I think you're kind of seeing that effect With Brunson here Because Brunson now Is the point guard of the team There's no question about it It's yes. not Who's, yeah. who's bringing up the ball Is it RJ? Is it Randall? Who's bringing it up? Um it's, everyone agrees Jalen Frontson is the guy for the job. So that allows someone like Randall to have this kind of reawakening that we've seen to start the year so far, where, where Randall is willing to, to be part of the offense a little more and pass more and not hold the ball as much because they have a more of a free-flowing offense. But it just allows for the entire team to kind of fit into their roles and into their slots a little bit more. And I think um, just having someone firmly in that position, I am the guy to bring the ball to the floor, I am the leader, I'm going to make sure that you all get to your spots and make the right plays, it allows for everyone else to kind of fall into place, so I think you're seeing you're seeing uh, a lot of the, the positives from that, obviously, look, they've had a very easy schedule so far, so it's, it's all it's all roses at the moment, but um, I think it's a lot of what you're seeing. As for a guy like IQ, I, I know Zach Lowe on his pod earlier this season thought that IQ took two took two steps last year as a playmaker, so you know if you remember he had a triple double at the end of the season, yeah. he was really starting to kind of evolve at, at the, the last month or two when they were getting giving him more minutes and we're starting and we're continuing to see that just like this year I mean he almost had a, a, a double double last night without scoring any points, which is which is pretty incredible to think of for, for a player like him. His defense has been better I've noticed he's been closing out a lot stronger he's been staying closer to the players guarding. He hasn't been shooting well, but you know with IQ that the three pointer is going to fall. Still concerned about his ability to put up bulk, bulk points consistently. Um, you know I don't know if he's never shot 40% from the field for a season, so you know I don't know if he'll ever get to the level where he can be putting where he's like a starter on a good team. But guys obviously got a lot of skill. Great second unit player, change the pace, can can get hot on a moment. Isn't this, isn't afraid of the moment obviously as well. We saw in the playoffs when the team was kind of. A little shook two years ago. He was not. Well, he's not afraid to, to fire up some threes, which you always need a irrational confidence guy out there. Come playoff time. Um, so yeah, I think you're just you know these guys are their third, their third year, fourth year for RJ. That's when you start to see some steps uh, come into play when it comes to more mature skill sets like playmaking and and leadership and shot selections. So hopefully, we'll continue to see that growth for for IQ this year.
0: Hi, it's Jay Shill. I'm the statistician slash assistant producer for. Uh, teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling I believe you you uh, uh, requested the March free throw stats for twenty one twenty two for R.J. Barrett
1: can I just have uh, like maybe first half second half free throw percentage 70-74 <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
1: ok so it went up 4% yeah uh, second, second half of the year 70, 74, make that 76, 77, 78 for the whole season. That's notable. 74% is bull. So what's that overall for the year? Like 72? What was the overall for the season last year in that
0: range? Low 70s? Uh, his, overall free throw, best, throw, yeah. pre, his overall free throw percentage was 71.
1: Yeah, so that's below average. I, think, I believe 75% is about average or maybe slightly below average. So we want to get him up to... At least league average this year, seventy-five to seventy-seven percent, um, and then build off of that. But that, that's that's where you want to see those numbers because seventy-one percent—that's—it's not the end of the world if you foul a guy like that, because um, because there's a chance that he can miss goal. If you add a couple percentage points to that, all of a sudden they they, they don't want to foul as much. Maybe you could open up open up some more things to, to his game. So, well, um,
0: you know what's interesting. I'll, I'll I will cease my my. Uh, game there with, with my statistician, but if you go back to the COVID year, twenty twenty, shot seventy five percent from from the free throw line for the season. That's where that can make a huge difference, I think. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I remember last year when, when RJ was struggling in the first half. I read an article. Drew Hanlon is his trainer. And uh, they interviewed Drew Hanlon about RJ. And I, I forget at the time he was improving your free throws or, or what the exact time of the article was, but Drew Hanlon talked about RJ wasn't breathing correctly on his free throw form. He was, you know, he was talking about how a lot of guys when they're shooting their free throw, they're actually holding their breath. Yeah. So what you're supposed to do is, is inhale when you're bringing it up and exhale on the release. And RJ was was not doing that, and that was something they really focused on was the breathing because. Of course he can hit the free throw. It's not a hard shot. It's very easy to hit a free throw. It's the it's the focus and making sure you're going through your rhythm and you're not rushing and you know all that kind of stuff. So just getting him more in line and hopefully RJ now has a kind of a checklist of sorts to go through whenever he starts to struggle or if he misses the first one, he can say, okay, gotta remember to breathe or whatever. You know, I gotta hold the foul through, whatever it might be that he's working on um, that he can kind of go through when when he starts to struggle a bit from the free throw line.
0: Mm-hmm. Jordan, uh, excuse me, Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing It Up. Just to accentuate that with RJ, he went from 67% in the month of February to 79% in the month of March Uh of last year. And I think, or or, or last season, I think that accentuates your point that it's process, mind, body, boom and somebody i forget if it's mitch i think it's rj's now not even taking a dribble after he gets the ball for a free throw um
1: i, I haven't noticed I haven't noticed that but you know some guys like you know you look at giannis
0: who yeah. used to take all 10 seconds of the free throw clock to shoot a free throw and, and, and got uh, violations a rule that i've watched basketball my whole life i never knew that rule existed
1: yeah, well, it's the kind of thing, and to bring it to baseball real quick, it's the kind of thing where you want it to never come into play. Like, if you think about the pitch clock that's coming in next season, yeah. you want it to be the exact length where it never actually matters, unless someone is being egregious. Giannis is being egregious, and it, and it came into effect. Uh, and then he changed it up, and he shot it, I don't remember I don't know the exact time difference, but it wasn't even close to 10 seconds. And his free throw percentage went up. So sometimes, you know, that's, that's an example probably of overthinking, and really kind of, Taking too much time. It's a free throw, man. You can hit it. You don't have to spend ten seconds every time to shoot it. But you know, go through your routine and, and make sure that you're you're situated to, to do it correctly.
0: Yeah, um, Evan Fournier. Uh, does he have a role on this team, or is he being flipped?
1: I would love for him to be flipped. And I actually have nothing against Fournier. Um, he he did last year in particular. He did he did exactly what he was signed to do which is to shoot a lot of threes, add some scoring punch to the offense that was missing. You know, they had Bullock in that spot the year yeah. before and Bullock could only, basically only shoot the, the spot up three. for can do more. You can, if someone closes out hard, he can go past them and shoot a a mid range. He can play make a little bit, um, smart player, not gonna take bad shots. He obviously had some big shots last year for the, Knicks during the regular season. Um, so he's done, he obviously broke the Knicks record for most threes of the season last year. He, he did what they asked him to do. To me, he's just kind of in the way now. Um, you know, we're seeing, to bring it to two other players, we're seeing Cam Reddish finding his role in the offense so far. Grimes has been out, but I'm very high on Grimes. I think Grimes is, a, is a, the future starter on the Knicks at the two spot. He's a great fit next to RJ, next to Brunson as a defense-first guy that can shoot the three, can also playmake a little bit, as we saw in the summer league, can go can off the dribble. He's got a lot of upside there he can guard positions one through three and I'd rather have you know if you look at the game against the Grizzlies RJ was guarding John Moran I don't like that matchup at all I would love to put a guy like Grimes on on a guy like you know Grimes can't stop John Moran either but he's a better matchup against a guy like Ja than, than RJ is and now the other option is either Brunson who you worry about foul trouble or Fournier and yeah okay I can see how maybe RJ is the best bet there to guard a guy like John Moran but uh, I think Grimes is a great fit for that starting lineup. So in my opinion, Fournier is kind of just in the way. Um, he does have an option next year, so maybe at the, the deadline, I could see him getting flipped depending on if Reddish keeps playing well and Grimes gets healthy and is playing well, and you know how the team is doing and, and, and the team needs. But um, I could definitely see him getting, getting flipped or moved if they can. Um, his contract is probably slightly negative value. Obviously, he's still a valuable player. Shoot, I'm sure the Lakers would love to have a guy like Fournier on their team. So maybe there's something with a a Westbrook deal to get the contract off, and then Knicks kind of cut Westbrook after that. But uh, you know, to me, he's just kind of taking up space. But the guy can play. He's not a, he's not a net negative. I just would rather see the
0: players play. Yeah, he, he just seems to me to be too one or two, two one or two dimensional, and playoff teams tend to have guys, especially deep playoff teams, that have, that are way multi dimensional, and he's not one of them. Nothing against him.
1: Hey, look. I mean, you know, hopefully we make the playoffs this year, and you know, maybe we can win a game or two in the playoffs and all that. We're not winning a title this year, so I want to prioritize the kids. Let Cam and, and Grimes get all the minutes at that position, um, and see what they can do with it throughout the season. Then, if one of them misses the game, you've a game, you got Deuce behind them, or IQ plays a little bit more, whatever it is. Um, but he's not a he's a non-defender. He's a average defender. I'd rather get someone else in that spot. But he'll be here. He'll be here for at least a couple of few months. You, you would think
0: yeah one would think uh, Mitch finally got a summer in which he was able to train and not rehab what's been your observation of him because I have an observation that I'll share after yours
1: yeah well during preseason I thought he looked like he was in the best shape of his life he was he was running up and down the floor uh, he looked like you know he, usually Mitch he, he makes one hustle play and then he kind of saunters up the floor for the next play or two and catches his breath and in the preseason there was a couple times where I saw he made two or three plays in a row, uh, back to back to back possession, then it was like, Oh, he's actually got some some energy now. And you know, he's been hurt in the offseason the last few years. You know, he spent a lot of time, we talked about it on this podcast, about his weight his weight gain last off season, and I had concerns about that causing more injuries, but then he lost twenty pounds once the season started and the weight gain was now at a good at a good level. Um, seems like I, I know I saw some the videos of his trainer posting talking about he's working on post-ups this offseason and you've actually seen a little bit he's kind of slightly throwing it in he's he's had a hook shot here and there no not a key a hook shot but it's just not a dunk you're seeing yeah. a little bit little bit more and it shows a little bit of touch in the preseason he had one play where he tried to dribble and drive and he fell down it was pretty embarrassingly bad but just showing that he's he was willing to try it. To me, I actually like that he was willing to try it, even though I don't really want him trying it. It shows that he's getting a little more comfortable with some of these moves, getting a little more kind of comfortable in, in his body in the NBA and the things that he can do and where his spots are. So he's getting a little bit better there. He got the, He has not really had um, the big blowout game that he's been, you know, you know, you know Mitch Moore where he puts up like 15 and 12 with four blocks. But he was very good last night. One of the things I noticed on Friday when I was at the... Uh, the Knicks Pistons game, the home opener. At okay, the world's I had,
0: most famous arena.
1: At the world's most famous <laughs> arena, uh, MSG. I had bet on the uh, Nick, uh, Mitch total rebounds in the game, which was 11, I tried to I bet 11 plus. And I noticed he actually, so I was paying really close attention and rebounding, he actually wasn't even going for defensive rebounds. Yes. He's, he's almost exclusively going for offensive rebounds because Randall's a great defensive rebounder. RJ's an above average defensive rebounder for his position. And they kind of just don't really need him going for those rebounds defensively. Offensively, he's maybe the best in the NBA for going for those rebounds. And I think last night, I think it's six rebounds and five are offensive or something like that. So um, that's kind of where he's focusing on the rebounding side. It makes sense. Um, you know, an offensive rebound is incredibly valuable, backward for the defense, momentum building, especially for Mitch, usually turns out to a dunk or something like that. So um, he just looks a little sturdier, healthier, in good shape this year. Now you look at a guy like Hardenstein who's offering really different things to the team. We can talk about him, but he's going to cut into Mitch's minutes, I think. But Mitch, he just looks more mature this year. And similar to IQ, like he just looks a year older, just a year kind of understanding what his body is, what the team needs from him, what the NBA life is like. And obviously got the big contract now, so uh, hopefully that gives him a little more confidence and continue to build on his strengths.
0: And with and and same for Obi. Obi is going to be what Obi is, but a smarter Obi is going to be a better NBA player.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Obi's Obi's rookie year, the guy looked like he was nervous out there for seventy five percent of the season. Yes. Um, and then at the end of the year, he started to finally feel like himself. And in the playoffs, he had a good game or two. And then obviously last year, he had the, the monster final month or so of the season where he's putting up thirty plus point games. Um, multiple times and, and setting career highs like every other night um, but yeah, he looks like he, he knows his, he knows where to find his spots, I remember when OB got drafted, um, he mentioned that, you'll know I've figured out how to play at the NBA pace when I start getting leak out dunks, because in college he led, the, the, led all the nation in dunks when he won uh, the player of the year, and his most of his rookie year he wasn't getting a lot of those, and now he seems to be getting them Sometimes multiple times every night. He had a bunch on Friday, he had a bunch last night, including an amazing behind-the-back pass. Oh, uh, that Trent, pass was, that was so Oh awesome. my
0: God, that pass had me so having...
1: smooth. Oh, so smooth. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, OB for me, for OV it comes down to can he hit the three-point shot consistently? Some because he, he'll still throw up a three and it will air, you know, air mail the entire hoop, um, and you're like, I don't want this guy ever shooting. And then all of a sudden, the next shot he takes, he hits, you know. He he hits two or three in a row. Um, So to me, it all comes down to that. He's already having a better season than he did last year. If you look at his numbers off the bench, in particular last year compared to now, more points, more rebounds, shooting at a better percentage. Um, So I hope that it continues. But it's going to be tough for him because the way Randall's playing, the guy's going to play somewhere in the thirty, mid-30s every night, and and they don't play Obi and Randall together. So that's going to give Obi the same amount of minutes he normally gets, which is like 15 a night. It's gonna be hard for him to, to really continue to grow, but you got to do the best that you can in those minutes. Yeah. And if Randall ever sits, or if there's ever an opportunity to play both them together, I have to take advantage of that. But um,
0: you have yeah, been begging easy. for that. You have been begging for that. That's right. That's uh, right. So um, um, we'll see. On the free throw, not dribbling thing, I will. Get, I will get back to you. I I, lo- I look forward and I that, and that will get back to you on Mitch Clyde brought that up either Friday night or last night that he is he's leading the NBA in offensive rebounding last year or or, 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 or a year before and prioritizing it because the Knicks are all about pace I'm going to go off script does anybody give a shit about pace if you win
1: well, it's about
0: sustainable winning, right? Like, yeah, and that's the um, thing. You know, Mike m- kind of alluded to that as like, okay, pace is a stat. The Knicks were in the same vicinity when they when when they made the playoffs. There's not like, yeah, we're gonna run, we're gonna run. It's what the game gives you. It's why I don't like pace stats. Um, well, you know, if you want, like, if you look at last
1: night. And Randall had a couple pl- plays last night where he would get the rebound and he would sprint up the floor. And that can create mismatches. The yes. team, it, it can, it can tire, tire the other team out. It can create miscommunication. It can create open looks. When you play fast, it can allow for those easy buckets that can, you know, you get two of those a game and previously you're getting zero. Those four points could be, can lead me to the end of the game. So I like a team to play with pace. I don't like when a team plays dub. Um, I don't know if you exactly. heard the, the, I don't know if you heard the uh, drill they've been doing at practice, yes. but um, they basically have, I forget the time, but they have to get the ball over half court. Uh, in like six seconds
0: certain, or something. Yeah, guess. in a certain amount yeah. of time, and it's a turnover
1: if you don't, as a way to kind of instill moving, just moving quickly and, and making quick decisions. And the second unit has been incredible at this, and I think something that Cam Reddish has been really good at with the team, is he's been great at transition. Um, and been and very good going to the rim, and obviously OB is great at that, and RJ is very strong at it, and Brunson's going to play with pace because that's what point guards, good point guards do. So you're just seeing more guys that like playing in that type of world. Uh, obviously Derek Rose, IQ, all those guys like playing with pace. So if, when you know, I feel like every year, every coach in the NBA, we're going to play faster this year. We're going to play hard-nosed defense. It's just a classic. Calling card that every coach talks about. Yeah. The Knicks do have some players now that do want to play with pace. If you think back to, so you're right that the team, the playoff team two years ago, was very slow because what they that team's offense was basically give the ball to Randall and let him operate iso. Yeah. Iso works best in the half court in a slow slow down game. But when they had uh, 2012, 2013, when they won 50 plus games with Melo, that team was incredibly slow because they want to give the ball. To at the high post and let them let them operate. Um, those are half court players. Those guys don't necessarily want to run um, as much, especially when they're when the offense is, is built around them in that regard. But those teams are also very low turnover teams. You know they're turning the ball over like ten times a game, which is a big advantage. You, if you the more shots you get up, the more likely some of them are going to go in, the more points that you're going to have. But at a faster pace, you get more shots up, but you also get more turnovers. You know the Warriors the the, the, the Warriors teams. they're only real Achilles' heel, other than rebounding, is turnovers. That team turns the ball over all the time, but they're playing fast, and they're shooting up tons of threes, and it, and it equals itself out. So um, it seems like they have the, the, the talent now to play a little faster, and it's been successful so far, but they've also been playing not great teams. So what's that look like when they play the Bucks this weekend that's, or the Cavs?
0: That's exactly the point I was going to bring up, that sometimes – I almost feel watching the Warriors, the the uh, Warriors, because uh, I I love Steph. That it's just like slow down, slow down. Just 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 take a minute and slow down. Um, you led to it. So final Nick's question: Schedule versus eyes versus performance. Do you care how well we play in this next stretch against? better teams or is it about individual growth and individual performance which you told me a thousand times about myself did you have a good day? Did you put your heart into whatever it was? You know like like, like, just show me something. So are you more because if you look at it you know Charlotte and then Bucks Cavs Hawks, 76ers, Boston, Minnesota, Brooklyn. Do you care about performance or do you care about individual growth within that performance?
1: What I want to see is if they can maintain the style of play that they've established over the last two and a half games, because I'm going to throw out the first half of the Grizzlies game. If they can maintain that style of play against teams that are better than them or just as good as them. Do you all of a sudden stop running in transition because you're playing the Bucks? Do you, does Randall all of a sudden resort to iso ball uh, again because they're playing a better team and um, you know, she starts forcing shots a little more. That's really what I want to see. You know, of course, if you look at to talk about like individual performance versus, versus team performance, like to bring you back to Cam Reddish, in game one against the Grizzlies, the guy played great. They lost the game. I'm yeah. happy for Cam. I'm happy that Cam played really well. But the yeah. but the headline is that they lost the game. Um, so they have enough young players now where it's not like I'm rooting against Alfred Kane because I want them to play someone behind him. Um, there's not. They're, they're really. They're basically playing all the guys I want them to play. Obviously, grind is hurt. So we'll see what happens when he comes back. But they're playing all the guys I want them to play. So I just want them to win at that point. Um, so that's what I want to see Does the style change when you're playing a good team Because it's easy to do it against the Magics and the Pistons of the world Because you're better than them and you should beat them you know, 80% of the time But what happens when you're playing a team that's supposed to beat you 80% of the time or 70% of the time Do you change the way you're playing or, can, or do you believe in the system enough to, to see if you, if, to keep playing that style And will it be effective against those teams?
0: Amen, and hopefully it is successful. Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. I can't let him go without asking about the 6-1 Giants. Are you a believer?
1: Well, I'm not a believer that they're a Super Bowl team. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to make the playoffs, which is fairly amazing. Uh, the schedule rest of the season has lots of wins on it, or at least on paper games that they should be competitive and have a good shot at winning at. Um, Coaching is real I mean we saw this With the Mets this year Obviously I'm just Playing into the season But Buck Walter Made a direct impact On the Mets season And, and Brian Dable was making A huge impact Play calling You look at The Giants Compared to Even the Ravens Or the Bears Which are teams or, or the Cardinals Which are all Three teams That are under Well the Bears Are overachieving But that Have quarterbacks That run Really well Um and are you know average to above average throwers, depending on how you think about Kyler and the But their legs are a huge part of their of their games, and they're not maximizing those assets. The Giants are maximizing Daniel Jones's at one of his better assets, which is his ability to run the football, and they're making great plays and keeping keeping everyone guessing uh, defensively for 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 uh, Daniel's strengths, and they're doing a great job there. The defense is sturdy. They're dealing with a lot of young players. Andrew Thomas is one of the best linemen in football, if not the best lineman to this point. On the as a left tackle, Thibodeau has been has been a strong addition to, to the uh, to the defensive line. So they've been good. They've won every game by one possession. Um, you know those are sometimes can be fluky. So hope we'll see how long that'll last. I can just picture them losing by one possession come playoff time. Oh, the team that won all season and in the one possession games in the regular season can't pull it off in the postseason but um, I believe that they that they are a competent franchise heading in the right direction with a good coach Uh, they have a they have a generational running back on the team who's finally healthy you know someone compared them to the Titans I think that's a really good comparison you know you got the generational running back Derek Henry versus Saquon Barkley you got a quarterback who's not going to lose you the game but he's not going to you know win you the game like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen can
0: uh, Saquon, Saquon, got a Saquon Saquon and that in my mind a healthy Saquon knowing what he can do and a healthy Daniel Jones and knowing what he can do even without Sterling Shepard keeps teams guessing
1: yep and if they can get Kadarius Tony healthy he is a great weapon he has obviously had trouble, some off the field issues He's had some health issues throughout his career. But that guy is dynamic with the ball in his hands. You add him, Wanda Robinson has made an impact in his two games as a rookie. You add him to the team, you have those two guys, Jones and Saquon. It's enough weapons to to keep teams' defense honest. And there's enough things you have to worry about out there to open open other things up. So we'll see. I'm a believer that they're a playoff team at this point. Um, It feels like a little bit of smoke and mirrors just because – it's hard to believe that they're winning so many games. and But they have beaten teams that are not elite. The Packers' win is great but has not aged as well. The Packers obviously had a lot of problems. They lost to uh, the Commanders, lost to the your Jets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, that win has not aged as well as it looked in the, in the moment. But it doesn't matter. A win is a win. You beat Aaron Rodgers in London. Uh, and the schedule is not is not the hardest that, that you'll see. So a couple more wins and they the already in the playoffs. So Thanks. hopefully...
0: Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving becomes a whole lot more stressful.
1: Yeah, because they're, they're playing Cowboys Thanksgiving, right?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Four thirty on Fox yeah. right after the World Cup. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, I just, I just don't think they're winning the division
0: with the Eagles. The no, no, um, no, that team, and, and Jalen Hurts is unexpectedly good. Uh, for the record, yeah. and I'll expound on this on Sunday. I think the Jets are going to just wind up. Losing games to, to, first of all, better teams. But secondly, just running out of bodies. And to me, that just doesn't seem like a realistic, you know, uh, combo to, um, to ultimately find your way to the playoffs. Especially in the AFC. Especially when you can argue that half of, you know... The AFC West belongs there. Um, it, it's just too good. It's just too good, and that is something that uh, they'll have to grow upon for next year. But much more on that cut up in the Sunday Sprint on Sunday. All right, NBA predictions. Who's it? Who's making the finals? Presented by presented by YouTube TV. Coming up this June on ABC. Sorry, I had to do that. Well, it. Sorry.
1: It's all, it's all good. So I do an over-under pool every year before the season starts. And I'll tell you my prediction, but I am already don't like it. And the prediction was Sixers-Warriors. Uh, but the Sixers have been kind of a disaster to start the year. Embiid looks completely uninterested. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I'll have, to, I'll have to give it here. My prediction was Sixers-Warriors. Harden looks like he's back to his normal self. Embiid has been snubbed from the MVP a couple of years in a row now. He finally wins it this year. Um Maxie takes a step. They slow Harris. They've added some other depth pieces. So, my prediction is Sixers Warriors, but they have not looked the part so far. The Warriors have, they put up 89 points and a half, but the Sixers have not looked like they're going to. They're, they're not doing it so far.
0: Uh, so, was Sixers. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I got lost there. So, was Sixers Warriors the finals matchup then?
1: Yes, I'm going to stick with it. Just okay, okay, all it's right. Only three. I don't want to overreact, but it hasn't
0: looked good so far. Okay. So I would assume that that would mean a Warriors win, or what's what's the deal there? Uh, what did I predict? I think
1: I predicted a Sixers win, because Embiid would be too much for them to guard.
0: And that is one of Golden State's few deficiencies is... Tall dudes. They don't have a lot of tall dudes. Draymond's yeah, tall. Like Draymond, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it, it's like can Loizaga or Wiggins or somebody stop you know a classic MVP type guy. I just don't see it either. Uh, uh, and finally, uh, my 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 favorite question: the most overhyped person or team coming out of the preseason was?
1: Well, so I do feel like a little bit of a fraud for my answer about to give you because we're three or four games into the season now and it's kind of obvious this this part of the season, so I don't know if my answer would have changed if you asked me a week or two ago, but the Lakers have been an abject disaster. Um, you know there was a lot of hype about uh, Russell Russell Westbrook and the and the like how is he gonna come off the bench? What are they gonna do? He's gonna run the He's going to run the second unit. He's been starting. He's been absolutely terrible. I think that bench unit is maybe the worst bench I've ever seen in the NBA. It's so bad. Matt Ryan is getting the most minutes off the bench on that team. Him and Kendrick Nunn, who didn't even play last year. Matt
0: Ryan? The Colts quarterback? Look, he who?
1: got benched from the Colts, and now he's playing for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, you know, like, they 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 are in big trouble. Um you know, LeBron in his prime, and I don't think he's necessarily fallen off that much from a talent standpoint. I think he's fallen off from an effort, like an energy standpoint. He's yeah. 37 years old. Yeah. The guy can't put it up 36, 40 minutes a night for the entire season and carry a team. He's still potentially just as good. He just doesn't have the same energy he wants to, so he needs a lot of help. AD is, I was reading some stats, he's one of the worst jump shooters in the NBA since the bubble. And the, I don't know if you saw a clip the other night. He was wide open in the corner for three, and Nurkic literally just turned his back to him. Was like, "Go ahead," and he hit the yeah. side of the backboard. Yeah, um, terrible. It's just uh,
0: awful. It's just it's awful. They are um, they are disjointed as if they didn't even practice once to once together at all. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure what happens with that team, or frankly, who's in charge of that team.
1: Yeah, I mean LeBron as a GM is a disaster. Um, he forced them to trade for Westbrook, that gutted the, that gutted the depth of the team. Um, now they can't get rid of the Westbrook contract. There's no path to them getting better. The only path I can think of is trading Anthony Davis for parts. But I don't even know who you trade him to or what you go for in that. Uh, short of just tanking the season. And they don't even have their first. If they, if uh, everyone's joking on Twitter about it, the Lakers get the last, if the first overall pick. It goes to the Pelicans. They don't even have their pick if, it go, if it's yeah. Uh, they don't even have their pick. So like, I think the only path because you can't trade Westbrook for anything of value There's the rumors that they've always had the option to trade two first round picks for Buddy Hield and Miles Turner. That's a trade that they probably need to do to be reasonable. It's two more players that are talented. Add some defense, some offense to the team, um, but still you'd have basically no depth, and then you'd really have no assets to do anything with. Um, Westbrook obviously is a free agent, so you could maybe say let's just reassess next year, but it's another year where LeBron's older, um, so that team is in a lot of trouble. I have no idea what they're going to do, uh, but yeah, they are. Uh, that's not a that's not
0: no. not a good fit for them. I don't think the Knicks would be favored against them right now, but they'll, they may win the game. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see whenever they play. We shall see. Jordan Brickman, thank you, as always, for coming on seeing it up. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeremy.
0: You got it, and enjoy the rest of your, what is it, Tuesday, everybody. Take care.